Hi, this is Ben from 561 Music Podcast. Right now, we're trying to get a thousand subscribers on YouTube. It just helps us get out there more. It also enables us to monetize the podcast, to make it better, do more advertising for it and things like that. Subscribe to the podcast and hit the notifications button. That would be doing us a really big favor. Thank you very much. Welcome, welcome to 561 Music. My name's Ben. Y yo soy Héctor. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we got some uh, fellow speakers of the Spanish language on yes, the show today. Yes, we do, we? we do, we do. Yeah, looking forward to it. Maybe we could do half the thing in Spanish and I'd that's just kind of sit here looking confused. That's, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so what have we been up to? We uh, we played up at Carson's Tavern this weekend. And it was an absolute riot. Yeah, yeah Friday, yeah, Friday we did Megomalley's and yeah. then uh, up in uh, Melbourne. Yeah. And then Saturday, Carson's. Carson's was a freaking hoot this week, man. It was just packed with people, like yeah. packed with people. Yeah, totally. That's a couple of the gigs that Mike Beagley books us on. And um, I, you, we really do well in those Irish bars. Yeah, no, you know, for sure. That's, for sure. That's really our, I mean, obviously, it's our, you know, that, that's our, <clears throat> it's our bread and butter baby. demographic. <laughs> and Carson, I've known him for a really long time. I met him in O'Shea's, and I was pretty... Uh, I was like three sheets to the wind. I was say you're pretty tanked. Yeah. And the first thing I said when I met him, so embarrassing. First thing I said is like, oh, you've got one arm. It's just the first thing that came out of my mouth like an idiot. But, um, but he didn't mind at all. He's such a good sense of humor. He just goes, yeah, I do. Of course I do. Anyway, yeah, yeah. then we carried on. That's and, Carson. Um, and somehow, despite me completely putting my foot in it, I got us a gig there. And nice. we've been playing it ever since. Yeah, it's, it's fun, man. I, I, I was saying earlier, Carson's is like... I don't want to say hit or miss because there's always a good crowd there, but it's, you know, sometimes there's less people and sometimes there's more people. And it was just, it just worked out this time where it was just packed and, and everybody loved us and everybody enjoyed it. And, I mean, there was people inside, there was people outside, and, and just, everybody, just everybody was digging it. And, and everybody was, was paying really attention. Glad. Yeah, I was really glad. And I was glad for you, too, because you've been a bit down in the dumps lately. So it was yeah. nice to, you know, have a good night out. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It was good. It was good. It, uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, music always feeds the soul, man. So It does that, man. Yeah. When it hits, you feel no pain. There's no, no doubt about it. Yeah, man. I think that one of the main reasons that I, I love playing music is because uh, <clears throat> it brings you into the moment. stops yeah. you just spinning the wheels. You yeah, know? yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Great. So we have um, JJ Rivera. We got Jose and uh, Nick and Joe from the project JJ Rivera. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. Thank you for having us. Oh, thanks for coming on. Well, have you had the mac and cheese at Carson's? You know, I've I don't think I I've ever had Carson's food there. in years. Oh, bro, I've, we suggested, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what's funny is, ironically, I posted that night that we were playing at Carson's, and a friend of mine from Colorado, of all places commented underneath there and said uh, and said i hope you're eating great food yep. <laughs> oh there <laughs> you go I, and i don't think i've ever eaten food at carson's that's amazing it's the word has got all the way to colorado right no, he was just high <laughs> <laughs> well, show up a little earlier next please time. be telling me Take you're eating bench. great food <laughs> i want to imagine it so hungry. <laughs> so, so hungry right now <laughs> so um can you tell us a little bit about how this uh project came about all right well I'm a founding member of a reggae rock band in Stewart, Florida, 
called yeah. Fresh Catch. Why don't uh, we start there? Can okay. <laughs> tell us a little bit about um, Fresh Catch. All right. So Fresh Catch started back in 2007 in Stewart. Um, me and uh, this guy, Josh, uh, we were just fresh out of bands that we had previously. Right. And we, were, we both liked the reggae rock thing, and we both had original songs, and we kind of got together with a couple of like-minded guys, and we started cranking them out. Nice. Um, then, you know, personal changes as, as they go. Uh, yeah. Nick showed up on drums, and uh, we ended up getting a local following. Yeah. We ended up uh, independently releasing four albums over the years. And, uh, you know, locally we did pretty good. Yeah, I remember. You know? yeah. But we were what you call weekend warriors. Yeah. You know, so several of us at the time had, you know, full-time jobs. So we only did it on the weekends. We only played off of I-95. I mean, we played from Key West all the way to Jacksonville, but sure. nowhere further west. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe played trumpet. Hold up. We played in Orlando once. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Epic bathroom situation. <laughs> hey, you got to tell Football us about time. this bathroom situation in a sec, but... <laughs> yeah, as Jose was trying to say, the band was all right, and then I showed up and they got immaculately well that's what i got that's what i got out of it yeah that's that's where he's going with that so what 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 were you playing in fresh catch there well when it first started out i i just wanted to be a lead guitar player and i'm not a great lead guitar player but you know at the level of musicianship that we were all at that's what i was doing right uh and we had a guy that played a regularly strong bass but upside down oh you know so left-handed right but then he was also a vocalist okay and he wanted to be on the mic, but he couldn't play bass and be on the mic at the same time. So for half the songs, I would be on bass. Yeah. Uh, And then personal changes, he quit the band, and we had a bunch of gigs lined up. I'm like, oh, shit, so I got to switch to bass full time. Yeah, gotcha. So we did that, and, um, you know, we just kind of got better. I I feel like we got better, you know, no offense to to anybody, but we were kind of, we had to make it or break it. Sure, yeah. Um, We had, you know, four-hour gigs lined up, and that, uh, Captain Hiram's. Yeah. Right, yeah, That was a yeah, reggae okay. rock. Reggae boot camp. Boot camp. That's right. Yeah. Because we had to show up, you know, a couple of weeks after the change-up, and, and we pulled it off. Uh, Excellent. You know, by the end of the year, we played the Lyric Theater, which was in downtown Stewart, which was, you know, highlight, and that was a long time ago, but it was it was great. But, you know, I, I switched to bass, and then yeah. I had to figure out how to play bass and sing at the same time. It's not <laughs> as easy as guitar and singing because, you know, you got, it, Sometimes you've got these syncopated bass lines and right. it just doesn't match up with the vocals. It can be tricky. It, it, it is. But, you know, it was do or die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, figured it out and, and, you know, kept doing that. And we did it for for years. I'm kind of blurring over the history because we, you know, started in 2007. And we kind of officially stopped it in 2018 okay. at the Port Salerno Seafood Festival. Great event. It's too bad that it doesn't exist anymore. But, yeah. you know, we... We played that event pretty much since it started, right. uh, on and off over the years. I and think one time I've did it when you were playing it as well. I think Kilbilly's played it one year okay. when you when you were playing it as well. In fact, I'm certain of it. I remember that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, 2018 we decided to call it quits because you know several of us had you know had young kids yeah. at the time, and you know we needed to spend our time and efforts elsewhere sure so yeah i think that, that just changes everything doesn't it it's very difficult to just carry on as normal if, if kids are in the equation you know right right and you know i think nick was the first one to start popping them out um <laughs> that we're aware of yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so on, on record, the, anyways. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so during the time that I was with Fresh Catch, I would write songs that would just not fit that formula. Okay. You know, the, there's a, I think I pulled off one song that was all in Spanish in one album, and, and you know, I thought it came out great, but that was it. Yeah. You know, so I had these things um, that didn't fit, and as soon as the band took the indefinite hiatus, you know, I decided, well, I'm going to go to the studio and do these. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I kind of enlisted the musicians I've been working with, you know. I enlisted Joe. He's got a great set of ears to kind of help me co-produce. And, you know, that's how we came up with the first EP with yeah. seven songs over at uh, Raincat Studios in Jensen Beach. Yeah, big up Raincat. Brian and Jeff, love you guys. Uh, you know, I would suggest to any musician at any level, if they want to get something done well, something done quick, and something done, you know, with the ears of a musician, that's that's the spot they need to go to. Yeah, I've heard great things. Yet to uh, yet to spend any time there, but it's the clock's ticking on that one. I've got to get down there. Yeah, yeah. No, I, would, I would suggest it, but... Um, so we had a great time doing that, and uh, you know, as the years went by, I just kept collecting more songs, and I figured it's time to go go in again. So last year, little by little, I would go in whenever I had enough time, nice. go do some tracks, and you know, by the end of, of of this year, I had you know four or five new songs that I've been putting out this last month. Okay, that that's yeah. awesome. It's very coming together, like it's becoming the, a, a, yeah. your main thing at this point. Yeah, yeah you know, and, and I I used to do solo acoustic gigs around Stuart, but then COVID hit, and I kind of took a backseat for that. And you know, I, that, that was a big reshuffle then. Cause yeah, <laughs> some people kind of like practiced up and then came out strong, which is that that's sort of what ended up happening with us because um our our band was on a little bit of a weird low ebb before mm-hmm. and then when the when everything shut down it gave us a, a chance to regroup and then as soon as we could go out and play gigs we came we came out fighting. But you know, other people it was an excuse to just like completely start there was a bit I feel like there was a big reshuffle at that point. Yeah, no, there definitely was, you know, so I was doing that you know, not every weekend, but, you know, somewhat regular. And then, you know, once COVID hit, I just kind of, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, you know, I, I, I had my concerns. And then 2021, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go again. And then another wave hit. And I'm like, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. So, you know, I feel like now I'm I'm, I'm ready and I, I would like to do that. Um, yeah. You know, I I do the reggae rock thing. I do the Latin thing. Um, I love 90s alternative stuff. Um you know, so what comes out is kind of a mix of all that. So where were you? Uh, where are you from originally? So I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, right? And then when it was time to go to college, I ended up in Iowa. Okay, right? gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That's like you know, two different planets. That was definite, definite culture shock. Um, but I benefit from being exotic in Iowa. Yeah, I you bet. know, for whatever that's worth, I, I you know, for how so, Jose? Well, for what it was, <laughs> for what it was, I had a, I had a great time. You know, I didn't grow up being a musician, right? I met. Did some you get your parents into music when you were young? Uh, listening, you know, yeah, okay. you know, Puerto, every Puerto Rican household has a set of records that everybody got. Yeah, I got <laughs> you. You know, but my dad had a really good um, vinyl collection. You know, I remember he had Simon Garfunkel. Um, you know, he had the BG soundtrack. I remember listening to that. So he had some right. stuff in English plus a bunch of, you know, stuff in Spanish and Puerto Rican stuff. Yeah. And, and then that was kind of like the basis of it. Yeah. Um, but I didn't grow up playing or singing or anything like that. What right. I did do was, you know, in high school, uh, there was a phenomenon that ended up being reggaeton. Yeah, yeah, sure. That at the time, it, it was called in Puerto Rico, it was called underground. And what happened was these uh, – 
kids from poor neighborhoods, they would line up at this DJ's house that had Jamaican dancehall tracks, and yeah. they would rap over it in Spanish, yeah. and then they would sell these tapes at shows. Okay. And, and it was huge, but underground. You know, the radio wouldn't play it. They wouldn't be on TV, but, you know, everybody knew those tapes. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I can sort of remember the early-ish days of it, at least when, the early, uh, when it got to England, which okay. uh, at that point was probably, you know, a fair bit down the, the way. Right. But... I'm talking like 93, 94. Oh, yeah. Okay, you know, yeah. where it was like totally underground. You know, there's a, there's a mixtape. The DJ's called Playero. Right. And he would just name the mixtape by the number. So by number 37, Daddy Yankee was on there. Okay. You know, but he was a young kid, you know, rapping in there, but out of like 20 other guys. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then, you know, in the early 2000s, he got huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I had these tapes in high school and I would rap along to them. So, you okay. know, I developed the vocal skill of being able to rap. And then I, I like U.S. hip hop. Yeah. And I could kind of mimic that. Sure. So then I got to Iowa and I met these guys that had a band. And the lead singer was this Mexican Mexican American guy that he would rap, but he could sing like Freddie Mercury. Oh wow, cool! You know, so they needed kind of a hype man person. Yeah. And at the time, I, I, I was young, I was in shape. You know, I could kind of rap, so I joined this band. Yeah, man. It was called Great Big Freak. Yeah, <laughs> cool. And it toured <laughs> all over the Midwest. You know, we played Kansas City, we played Chicago, we played Minnesota. I've uh, been there, rap hype man, and a kind of like. Punky hip hop band. I've, I've been there. Yeah, I did. I've done the same thing. Man. It's good times. Yeah, you know, so I, I could take my shirt off, jump around, and and back up this guy. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but then after doing that for a while, I kind of started to pay attention to what the band was doing. And I'm right. like, well, this guy playing bass, what is he doing there? And the guy playing guitar, that sounds really cool. So by the time I was 19, I'm like, I want to play bass. So yeah. I had the bass player show me a couple of things. Yeah, and. Then I started trying to figure out some more stuff on my own. I freaking love the bass. Yeah. The, the bass is, if I had to pick what, one of the instruments, if I honestly say, you know, which one is my favorite, it would be a toss-up between between bass and guitar. I really I really think it's a beautiful instrument and so so important to the band. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I at the time, I got into Sublime. Yeah. And this was late 90s. And I started to learn to play Eric Wilson bass lines out of the Sublime Records. Cool. And I remember one time in a great big freak gig, we kind of switched it up and they let me play bass on a Sublime cover while the, you know, the bass player was singing. You know? yeah. So that so that was cool. And I'm like, okay, I, I think I can do this. Yeah. Uh, so then... Uh, so you just got eased in. like Yeah, surely, yeah. You know? But it was just curiosity and at a late age, you know, and... and, and some people have an A talent. Some people got to work at it. I, you know, I had to work at it, and I'm, you know, I knew I was never going to be a virtuoso, but I can be, you know, have working man's competency. Yeah, <laughs> as no, I far as that. So, so I had the bass going on there uh, when Great Big Freak kind of ended. Uh, How I, old are you at this point? Uh, when Great Big Freak ended, I was about twenty. Right. Uh, okay, 20, so you're still pretty young. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I was about twenty, twenty-one, and you know, some of my College friends had, you know, a punk band that would play basement kegger parties. Okay. You know, so I was doing the rapping thing then, but they would let me play bass for about a third of the show. Okay. So I got decent at that. Um, then fast forward to 2003, I was 26. Yeah. I moved to Florida uh, for How a job. How did that happen? Oh, for a job. For a job, yeah. Uh, I worked for the government. It'll be... 25 years this March. Okay. So, you know, I've always worked, you know, but I showed up in Florida as a grown man 
with knowing nobody. Yeah. So I figured I got to build a social circle. You know, if you're going to show up anywhere yeah. not knowing anybody, Florida is probably a reasonable place because because yeah. there's. I, I mean, I did the same thing when I was like 30, and you know, you just. I mean, thankfully, at that point, I still drank. So I just went to like a, a gazillion bars and got, I, got, I got to know people pretty quick down here. Yeah. I find, you know, that it's, the only thing is that it's quite like a transitory population. So you'll get to meet a, a bunch of people and then they'll leave. Right. That's the only bad thing. Well, I showed up and not knowing anybody, I called the music store and I said, where's the open mic nights? And I started going, you know, but I couldn't really play guitar i knew like three chords and stuff so i would keep showing up then i would keep showing up i'll bring my guitar but leave it in the car right you right. know and i was intimidated and i did that for a couple of months till one day i saw this guy that was just absolutely awful and that you now look if this guy's up there doing it then i might as well go try it <laughs> yeah there you that's know. how we met nick <laughs> <laughs> well played. Oh, this predates Nick by a couple of years, but uh, yeah, we're but, still in the early '90s here. Right? <laughs> no, this, we're already up to like 2003, 2004. Okay. So then I started doing the open mic. Started getting better at guitar. Started writing songs on guitar. What was it like in 2004 down here in the music scene? Ah, uh, well. The, there were several open mic nights. You could play out if you wanted to do open mic nights, you know, five times a week in the Stewart area, Jensen Beach area, you could do it. Yeah, cool. So there was a, you know, a group of people that were doing it at the same time, you know, and I met this cat named Cody. And right. Cody ended up in a band with Joe called Smoking Section later playing yeah. bass. But Cody was, I was 26, Cody showed up. 18 years old, from Alabama, same thing, didn't know anybody. Yeah. But he was doing the open mic nights, and first time he showed up, he played this song called Jealousy. And this, you know, he wrote it, and I'm driving home, and I'm humming the damn song. So I'm like, okay, this kid's got something. So the next time I was talking to him about music, and he said, I need a bass player. I'm like, shit, I play bass. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so we got together, and we formed the band. There was this guy that played hand percussion named Mike. So we right. named the band Joe Michael for Jose, Mike, and Cody. Right. And we did that for a couple of years. Uh, we put out a record, uh, like 12 songs, half his, half mine, and mine were some in Spanish, some in English. Yeah. Uh, this probably 2005. And then that band broke up because Mike decided he doesn't want to play drums anymore. Right. And he's moving away and, and stuff. So that's when I met Josh from the band. Uh, he was in a band called Noko Oi right. that had kind of broken up at the, at the time. We're, we're in flux. Anyway, me and him got together. <laughs> They're still in flux. flux. <laughs> <laughs> They're still in flux. Uh, much love and respect to those guys because the first time I saw Noko Oi play, there was a place called Wahoos yeah. in, in Stewart, right by the water. And it was the biggest local show I have ever seen. Oh, cool. There were drunk kids. All over the parking lot, all over the bar. It was just, it was insane. I'm like, oh man, these guys, you know, I thought they were kind of big. And at yeah, the time, yeah. they were playing uh, some slightly stupid covers right. that I thought were theirs because I've never heard of slightly stupid. Right, so I'm yeah, like, oh yeah. man, these guys are brilliant songwriters. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Josh was there at that show, but then, you know, we kind of kept in touch and we, our respective bands um, broke up. We kind of got together and, 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 we made fresh cash happen. Nice. Yeah. I always think slightly stupid is really like it. You you would you would never know how good they are by the name. 
I right. think it's such a tragedy that it's such a terrible name. <laughs> it's a terrible name, and yeah, you know, yeah. like Fresh Catch. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> My goodness, I'd take Fresh Catch over slightly stupid yeah. name the week. Uh-huh. Oh, we love you for <laughs> it. <Yikes>. <laughs> but yeah, I oh, because well, I always heard of this band called Slightly Stupid, and I was like. There's no way I'm going to like that. It must just <laughs> sounds awful. But then, but then I listened to the songs. I was like, oh well. Actually, but in all fairness, good. they're only slightly. So. They're only slightly <laughs> stupid. <laughs> they can't even spell stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I felt similar to that. You know, <clears throat> they put out this record called Live and Direct, where it's just the two guys with acoustic guitars. I'm like, oh yeah. shit, these guys are actually really good. Yeah. You know, and they sing harmonies. I love harmonies. Yeah, yeah. yeah me you too. That's one of the. The things that kind of drew me to them. The thing I had the issue with was kind of singing in an accent, right. you know. <laughs> uh, and they've always got kind of a, an issue with that. But you know, I guess it depends how you think about it. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, you know? I get what you mean. Yeah, but yeah. but then again, you you know, you'll have British singers singing in an American accent. Yeah. So you know, it's all about <laughs> it's 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 how you do it. Like some people can get away with it if they do it if they're very tasteful with it. And you get only certain words and stuff, you know. Yeah. Like, but if you just go, if you go like whole hog in, like I'm a Rasta, but you're like a white oh, guy, yeah. super embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that <laughs> makes me cringe a little bit sometimes. But yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have, you know, there's some people out there. There's this guy Chris Murray who's a scar guy who I just love, and if you sing, if you hear the way he does it. It's only very slight, and it's really just to honor the music more than anything else. It's like if you didn't do it, it'd be weird, if you know what I mean. It's gotcha. like the way yeah. just any just slightly certain words, and it just works really well. But then, yeah, the other end of the spectrum is just the cringiest thing on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can totally relate to that. Uh, um, yeah, so when it comes to writing songs um, with this project, um, mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you go about doing it? Well, I have my trusty nylon string guitar. Yeah. Uh, I have a Cordoba now, but I the first one I had was an Ibanez that was nylon string, acoustic electric, that had a narrow neck. Right. You know, so I started messing with that. And, uh, you know, I figured out that I could do bass lines with my thumb or yeah. play chords with, with the rest of the fingers. So I could do the syncopated Latin thing. Sure. You know, and... So I started messing around with chords and, and, and doing that kind of thing. And I don't know about you, right, but I really feel um, this might be a little bit kind of going, going a bit too far with it, but I really feel like music sort of helps me get in touch with like a part of myself that I feel a long way away from in the U.S. Like um, in, in the sense of like I play a lot of Celtic music and old English folk music, and it means a lot to me, and it's it kind of, I don't know, it helps me to sort of like Grounds you back to England keep a, a part bit. of my yeah. identity. Or oh, like absolutely! That. I I feel that a hundred percent. Yeah, you know, um, when part of the way I learned was learning some Puerto Rican folk songs. Yeah, you know, and and yeah, same thing is to kind of connect with a, a culture that you know I'm far away from. Yeah, and, you know, my parents moved over here, so you know I rarely go down there anymore. And then, you know, it's sad I used to go down often. Um, so yeah, the music does keep me connected with my culture and you know and there's something about the spanish language too that you know i can express things in spanish that would sound stupid if i try to say it in english i don't know if that makes sense it does it does yeah it makes 100 percent sense yeah 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 i I can speak passing french and i know that like just the even though it can be the same word or the same phrase that there's just it means something different you know it Mm -hmm. has that 
like, you know how everything is kind of like a double entendre. Everything sort of means one thing, but also another thing, you know, right, yeah. or has an emotion attached to it. You know, those 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 um, those double meanings or those emotions attached to it, or those feelings attached to it, are just yeah, they can be different and diff- completely different in different languages. Well, it's know? funny when you listen to a song and uh, you know when you're listening to a song. What it for me, whether it's a, a an English an, an English spoken song or a song song and or, or a Spanish lyric song, and then. For whatever reason, I'm listening to it, and you know, I'm listening to someone else's version, and it's been translated. Yeah, you know, I like they'll say something in the song, and I'm like, well, that wasn't the lyric. Like they <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. they they change things, but they but they have to. They have to change things to rhyme. They have to change things to to make more sense yeah. in that other language. You know, yeah. things like that. Yeah, because you're right. Some things just don't translate well. Yeah, totally. And how does it work? Um, so yeah, when you're writing the lyrics. Um, mm-hmm. How do you uh, – what do you draw from it in terms of inspiration? Uh, it's, it's mostly personal stuff. You right. know, like um, one of the songs that we'll, we'll play today is called Abuelos Ausentes, mm-hmm. and it, that means absent grandfathers. Right. And the reason that came about was, you know, when I had my youngest daughter, my parents moved over here, and I seen how my dad interacts with my daughter. She's four years old now, and, you know, he's, she, they babysit her and stuff, and, you know, seeing him interact with her – kind of reminded me that me growing up, we didn't have a relationship like that with grandfather. So my, on my mother's side, you know, it's kind of a messed up story. You know, he was a foreman in a tobacco plantation in the mountains in Puerto Rico. And he had a wife and he had five kids with my grandmother. And then he up and left, moved down the road, right. shacked up with another woman and had three kids with her. Oh, wow. So when I was growing up, if I wanted to see my grandfather, I would. If I was on my grandmother's house, I had to walk up the road and go see him over there with a whole other family, oh, wow. which was really <laughs> messed up. Once I was Bizarre. an adult, and I got to understand that. Yeah. As far as my grandfather on my father's side, you know, I never heard anything about him. You know, my grandmothers were saints. You know, they were very strong women that took care of their family. Yeah. You know, but I never heard anything about my paternal grandfather. And recently, I asked my dad. About him, he says, you know, I met that dude twice in my life. Oh, wow. And the first time, well, not met. I saw him twice in my life. The sure. first time, he was in New York with my grandmother because she needed an operation. And family members of his father got a hold of him and said, you know, come to the apartment so you can meet your dad. He oh, shows geez. up, and the dude is running out the fire escape. So he saw the back of him, you know. Wow. So the song is basically about you know, my generation, because me, my brothers, my cousins, we didn't have that. Yeah. But so it felt like a family curse type of thing. But yeah, when yeah. I see how my father interacts with my daughter, you know, he kind of broke that family curse. And that's oh, that's that's, that's in the song. So, nice. you know, it's personal stuff like that. You know, in yeah. my first EP, there's a song called El Brujo. And that was kind of the name I go with in Fresh Catch. Sure, yeah, yeah. And where that comes from is... uh you know, familiar with Santeria religion? Yeah, I've been yeah. passing, yeah. Okay, yeah. but not the Sublime song, the actual. <laughs> uh, so one time I was in Puerto Rico, and I went to visit a Santero, which is the, the priest that does that. And, you know, yeah. when I sat down to kind of do a reading, you know, he read me like a book. He told me things that nobody should have known. Oh, wow. And that night I fell asleep and I had like a dream that was like a religious experience basically wow. you know and you know i grew up catholic and i never had anything like that yeah. you know and that guy told me in the reading that you know brujo is kind of another name for 
you know, uh, kind of like a witch sorcerer type thing. Right. Yeah. He, he yeah. told me that I was born a brujo. Yeah. You know, and you know, I took him at his word. I just, I'm respect that too much, and I'm kind of scared of it to kind of pursue <laughs> it further. But you know, that that's that's where that came from. So I have a, a song kind of describing that whole experience. Ah, oh, that sounds really awesome, and yeah. and and like what the. I think personal songs like that, you can get, you know, something that you really care about and, and that you, you can really imbue meaning into. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to performing it, it means more and it, and, and it just gives, sure. gives, gives the music depth. There, I, there are some songwriters out there who can just write things off the top of their head that are incredible. You know what I mean, and but that's not me. You know, I I yeah. have to write from from in here, otherwise it just comes out like garbage. You know, no, I, I feel you. Same thing. Um, yeah. You know, I might take liberties with how something went, but you know, most of my songs I write are you know based on, on personal stuff. Another one I'm released recently is, is "Leave a Light On." Uh, that kind of came out as a reggae rock song. Yeah, you know, I, I wrote her for for my wife. Uh, you know, she was the most supportive person. Uh, I mean, she puts up with me doing this music thing on the side. But yeah, <laughs> so does mine. My wife and I think, you know, aren't we? Aren't we all so lucky that we have such reasonable Absolutely. women in our lives? No, I, I, I feel blessed. You know that yeah. that, that we met. Uh, but back in 2016, for work, I had to work out of Jacksonville for four months. Right. You know, and while we were out there, you know, we while I was out there. One of our cats died, right. you know, and this was like a Monday. She calls me at 10 o'clock at night crying that the cat died. And mm-hmm. I just got in the car and drove down, you know, four yeah. hours to to be with the family. Sure. Uh, so that's where it comes, you know, I'm on the road, leave a line on, you know, I'm yeah. 300 miles and 200 miles. I'm 100 miles away. Just just leave a line. Yeah, you I'm, can't go wrong. with That's a great. Because like, I'm on the way. <laughs> great, yeah, it's very, it's very evocative. It yeah. works great. So, um. Yeah, so what about um, the rest of these lads then? So, Joe, how long have you been? How long have you been playing a uh, trumpet? And is it your like only instrument you play? I mean, it's the only one I play kind of well. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, I can get by on some other things here and there, but yeah, I started when I was in third grade. So, whatever age you are in third grade, eight, nine. Depends um, on who you're talking to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I was in third grade, right. I should have, uh, should have been what's more clear uh, there. What's that Jeff Foxworthy joke? You know, you know you're know, you a redneck if you're walking your kid to school because you're in the same grade. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, um, you know, probably like 26, 27 years um, okay. and just kind of played all throughout school and uh, never thought I'd do anything with it. And then um, I started to do something with it. It's an easy way to meet people, meet girls, yeah. get paid to have a couple beers. Totally. You know, it was uh, it was fun for a little bit. You know, we I was in that same band, Nokoi, that he referenced earlier at a different oh. time than Josh. It was just kind of like a vagabond band, you know, passing through to your next thing. Right. Um, and then I got really hammered at a Fresh Cat show, <laughs> and I walked up to these guys like, "Hey, you guys are good, but you need a fucking horn section, and yeah. I'm your guy." There you um, go. So I just didn't worry about the section aspect. I just I'll do everything, and so they. They voted me in. Everybody was about it except for him, except for Jose. Um, he put me to on be a clear. I wasn't excited about. That. <laughs> <laughs> he, oh, he put me, me on over. a three strike system, and I got my second strike on like day two. Oh and damn! So like, all right, this is going to be short lived. That's not good. Uh, it's not good statistics. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
<laughs> and then he blew his eardrum out. I did. Before oh, our uh, CD release oh, no, party. How did so. that happen? I've done, I did that to one of my ears. <laughs> I really love talking about the story, so I'm so happy Nick brought that up. <laughs> um, it was just a weird accident involving a Q-tip and me jamming it into my ear with my shoulder and oh. it, having to pull it out of my head as I was falling to the ground in pain. It hurts a lot, actually. Oh, jeez. You ever had a drummer hit the snare right in your face? That's what it sounds like, but from inside your head. I'm oh, thinking man. like it was uh, kind of faith. Though. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt because that's that's how uh, Pete Levine. Everybody in this music uh, scene down here knows Pete Levine, keyboardist, yeah. works at Echo Beach Studios, and yeah. we brought him in to to fill in, and, and he never it became left. a permanent picture. <laughs> so yeah. when I came back, I'm if like, what, could, what is replacement Joe still doing here? Come on, man! I was like, I was so anti Pete, just like he was anti Joe, and uh, <laughs> and then like we looked around, and they're like, okay, well, we have that one show at the Lyric Theater that you know we were selling tickets, like we were a real band, and yeah. um, so like, all right, it sounds better with the keyboard. Let's keep him on. And then afterwards, I looked at the guys, I'm like, it, he can't go anywhere. Like we need him now. Yeah, yeah. the sound. Yeah. You know, we have a robust, full sound now, and we can't lose it. So. Yeah, I think I, and we got Pete on all my current recordings. Like you know, all the keyboards are, are, are same guy, Pete. Pete yeah. yeah, nice. I've seen you guys. Is he called? I, I, it's called Jerry, right? The guy who plays this. Oh yeah, guitar. <laughs> I've seen you sexy guys, ankles, sexy, sexy ankles. ankles. Jerry Tillman with him before. Yeah, Jerry Tillman. We we did a Killbillies gig with him once actually, and I occasionally book him at Handlebars, the bar that my. Uh, my father-in-law owns up in Tequesta, but yeah, that, that guy's cool. So, nice. how often did how often did he play with you? Was it just once in a while? If we had a big show and we needed to bring big guns, we would hire Jerry. So. Gotcha, also, gotcha. like, and you guys know how it is. Like, when you get into these menu venues and you have three to four hours, and it's just tough on everybody. And like, we're all of a sudden we're, we don't have a lead guitar player lead guitar player like no one wants to hear 18 trumpet solos in a row like our <laughs> keyboard player can only do so much so it was nice to have Jerry because you'd really fill the sound out and yeah. you don't have to tell him anything like, here's player. the tempo here's one of the chords go have fun and, and <laughs> one of just, the chords yep <laughs> yeah. plays um, lap steel, steel, lap steel and, and, and also uh, he's sick on the telly too yeah. he's yeah. just rocks and stuff out he's got like a real old like badass like nice. original telly he plays yeah. that like a motherfucker yeah. it's awesome <laughs> um, yeah so uh the drums. How did that all happen for you? Oh, for me. Um, yeah. Geez, I so I got into drums early on. I think it was maybe third grade, fourth grade. The band instructor came to our school, and I came home and I said, "Dad, I want to play the clarinet in the band." And he said, "Don't they have like electric guitar drums or something?" <laughs> <laughs> Don't they have <laughs> like a cool, cool guy thing? <laughs> and uh, I said, "They don't have electric guitar, but they got drums." Like, yeah, I would do that. He's like, "Everybody always needs a drummer," so just went in, picked drums, started playing. That was some wise advice from you. It was, yeah. He's he's an excellent guitar player himself. So yeah, no, always, he wanted a drummer. Always yeah. grew up in a musical family, but uh, oh, cool. yeah, got uh, involved just in random bands uh, over the years uh, up in Orlando and just all all around town. And then yeah, linked up with these guys through uh, just fate. You know, one of my buddies that I grew up with. Uh, introduced me to them they needed a drummer hooked up with them and and we've had a blast yeah just yeah. good I times got, i got and, opposite uh opposite advice from my parents man i i was in first first grade and i went into one of these band meetings or whatever that they get all the parents and the kids and you pick instruments or whatever and i was like i don't see drums everywhere and my mom's like they don't have drums they don't have drums <laughs> so i ended up playing saxophone and then like the first band meeting i show up and there's like 12 drummers behind me and i'm like what the fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. well i encourage you. i got a, i got my five-year-old son just started uh drum lessons last week nice. and, and he's rocking out at the house right now my so we, a drummer, we, we got yeah. an incubator situation 
happening there. Yeah. It's going to be badass. It's fantastic. Love it's going to be a fresh cast version 2.0 of all our kids. <laughs> yeah. Not taking lessons Fresh a catch. Yeah. yeah. Fresh a catch. catch. <laughs> That's very, very really cool. So, um, yeah, I guess the, the, the other question that I have to ask, because I ask everyone this, is when it comes to, like, privately sitting down and doing it, do you, uh, do you still practice the guitar? Absolutely, because yeah. I, I don't have the natural talent. I didn't start young, so I constantly, you know, I have um, one by my desk at work, and whenever I'm not doing something that requires my full concentration, I'm, I'm messing with it. You know, I got to outsource all the guitar solos and my recent recordings I had to outsource because I can't play like that. Right, yeah, um, yeah. But I like messing with it, finding chords, even though I don't know the name. I got an app that I can <laughs> figure oh, out what the, what the chord name is. I found uh-huh. that there's a thing on, that they're trying to sell me on Facebook, right, which is like it's two pieces of plastic and, and it has the chords on. You rotate it and, it and it goes through the circle of fists and it shows you all the chords you can use in any key to write a song. That actually seems pretty cool. I might get it. Yeah, <laughs> for the students, I, I kind of know that stuff already, but for students it would be really helpful to have in my room. This is my guy, though, man. This is like I'm a bass player, and I, I same like that. Yeah. Like I theory, forget it. I yeah. just you know these guys. We're in practice, and these guys will be like you know whatever. Yeah. They'll throw out chords and notes and things that a flat not, thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> a flat. You know, a flat seven or something. I'm like, what the f- are you talking about? <laughs> is that still an? Here? Is that still an A? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have this song called Ripples that it's you know it has like ten chords in it, and they're all me just messing around figuring out. But sounded good That's one awesome. after the other. So then when I sent the recording to Pete to throw some piano in there, I got to figure out what the chords are. So good thing I, you know, I found this app. And <laughs> That's an A major seventh add six or whatever. You know, I don't know the sure, theory, but sure, sure. I found the chord names. And, you know, not that he needed it. He's got a perfect ear. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you? you still play the trumpet at home? I'm actually, oh, I was before coming in here today and before this project, like retired, kind of put it down. It was just, gotcha. you know, not, just wasn't feeling it so much and just didn't really have the avenues or the time or effort or any of it you know we did it for a long time so um as you'll hear when we play today uh it'll sound like i'm retired ah. uh, <laughs> please <laughs> throw some effects on put that put some shit. reverb on that put shit some, yeah. dripping, <laughs> dripping wet with reverb but um no i don't i wouldn't say i practice really at all i do have this little this little tool that kind of mimics a trumpet mouthpiece that will kind of stretch the embouchure every now and then so make sure i can still yes. come in and play Stretch a couple well. songs easy now um, <laughs> but uh but no uh retirement's suiting me nicely so i can have a full-time job instead i gotcha <laughs> well you know from hearing you play over the years i would say that you should at least keep a passing knowledge it would be a shame it would be a shame well maybe the killbillies will need to feature yeah, there a you trumpet go and, there you go and you know yeah, dude. you could entice me out i'm working on a scar i'm working on a scar project with really Hector. yeah yeah i'll strap my dancing shoes back on and yeah there you i go. say i'm cheap pizza and beer that'll get me there so. oh that's pretty cool maybe, maybe you'd want to do like a solo on one of the i'll send you the demos and you can see if you want to bust a solo on that'd be cool fair enough yeah i got a Give Joe a lot of credit. He's way better than he's making it seem over here. Yeah, maybe out of practice, but when we were doing the recordings, you know, I don't have an idea what a horn should do. Yeah. He does. He'd come in, oh, let me try this part. Okay, let me harmonize that. Comes in, second take, does the harmony. Okay, and it's the third part. Comes in, does it in, you know, one, two, three takes, I got a horn part. Yeah. yeah. So then I'm like, okay, let me send it to the sax player and the trombone player. This is what you got to play. <laughs> oh, gotcha. That's awesome. <laughs> and But on the fly, like I, I – you know, admire that talent. In this yeah, guy. absolutely. Some people just have the brain like that can hear it. That's awesome. That's cool. 
good to know. Um, yeah, all right. So uh, are, you, are you still practicing your drums at home? Oh, of course. Well, come on. I mean, i got to show the kid up now. So <laughs> Excellent. That's what I like to do. Yeah, hear. I love playing. I mean, what's cool about this area, it's probably similar in every city, but I just feel like our community, like the musicians, you can, you can always find someone to play with. You For can sure. always sit in. You can, yeah, so we, we we get together and jam with Fresh Catch still every once in a while. We were, cool. had a gig this Sunday that got rained out, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll get that back on the books. And, yeah, yeah. I, li- I like to play. And, um, you know, who knows? I think there could be a... I think there could be a resurgence here and maybe some more, some more fresh catch. Fresh catch. Everybody <laughs> wants. Everybody you heard wants. it here live on the 561 yeah. Music. Everybody's really <laughs> looking for more fat old white guys to get on stage and play old songs. That's really Dude, what I this area is so. missing. <laughs> yeah. I might be old, but I ain't white, son. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay, brown guys are, are welcome, too. All right. Don't before, forget the fat Before part. we all yeah. end up having a big fight about where the fresh catch is going to get together, why don't you go and play us some of your tunes? Let's hear, let, let's hear some. I'm looking forward. Sounds good.
561 Music is brought to you by Handlebars Bar and Grill. It's a biker bar in Tequesta, and if you're driving up US 1, you come across it on the right-hand side. It's a, a little bar there. It's bright yellow. You can't miss it with the handlebars on, on the sign. And it has a long and storied history. It's been there. It used to be called Judy's, um, and it was run by this guy Victor, who sadly passed this year, RIP Victor. 
And uh, then my father-in-law took it over, and he's doing a great job up there. There is a bike night every second Thursday of the month, and there is a jam every fourth Sunday of the month, if you're interested in that kind of thing. It's just an all-inclusive, any, any kind of music, any style, any ability type of a jam. And there's great beers on tap, and their wonderful food. Bernsey the chef does a fantastic job. Um, if you're interested in classic cars or classic bikes, there's always that kind of stuff hanging around there. It attracts that sort of a crowd because it's called Handlebars Bar and Grill, so it makes sense. And um, yeah, you should come swing by. It's uh, it's definitely a local spot and has a lot of character. And there's people who have been going there for. Decades and decades, it's one of those places that's um, a part of the furniture in Tequesta, and you should definitely come check it out. I um, booked the music for the place and love doing it, and um, I was a part of helping set the place up, and um, I'm a huge fan, and you should anyone who is interested in biker bars, or even if you've just never been to one and you're curious about what a biker bar is about, you should go and check out Handlebars Bar and Grill. We are also sponsored by Oasis Root. Now, Oasis Root Carver Bar is in Seagrape Square on Indian Town Road. And it is a carver bar. If you don't know anything about carver, it's a Polynesian root that you grind up and you mix with water. And it has been in Polynesia for potentially thousands of years. It's, a, it's an old thing that um, they used for kind of ceremonial and also... Um, sort of ledger purposes it's meant to be something where you know that brings people together um you will take a, a shell of carver and chink them together and say bula and have it together like that it's meant to be something to bring people together it's uh has a kind of an effect which is i guess a kind of a slightly warming effect and it just kind of makes you feel a, a, a nice it's not particularly intoxicating it's not like drinking alcohol so the atmosphere in a carver bar is sort of like um, a cross between a regular bar and uh, a coffee house. It's pretty chill in there. Um, you get all sorts of different types of carver bars. Some of them are more like a club, you know, this sort of like black light and EDM playing. And some of them are more like a cafe. This is one of the cafe type of ones. It's it's super chill in there. If you're looking for somewhere to, I don't know, maybe go and do some work on your laptop or go and have a chat with friends, it's perfect for that kind of thing. There's a foosball table in there if that's your jam, or baby foot as they call it in France. And uh, yeah, Jim, the owner, is a really cool guy and he has very kindly sponsored our podcast. So thank you very, very much for that, Jim. They also do a poker night in there, all sorts of things going on at Oasis Root Carver Bar. 561 Music is sponsored by Live Music Community. It's where we film the podcast that you're listening to right now, and it's also where I work. Gavin, Hector's son, was a student here for a long time, and in many ways he's the musician he is today because of the teachers at Live Music Community. We taught him not only about his instrument, but also about being in a band, and his band, Unemployed Youth, accomplished a lot of goals, mostly band etiquette, how to work together, and all of the nitty-gritty that goes into being in a band on a day-to-day basis. The student signs up for lessons, learns their instrument, joins a real band, and decides the direction it goes in. And we can take people from very young age, you know, six or seven years old, all the way up to 80. You know, there's no age limit here. Um, We've run an adult program for people who want to be in a band as adults, but... Really, the main focus is on the on the kids and getting them playing together and in bands. Um, we are also a studio, a live stream venue, and can, we can record audio 
or video. The Killbillies live album, Warts and All, was recorded here. It was recorded during a live stream that we did during COVID. Justin had a great idea to record live streams during COVID. A ton of bands came in and it was a real success. Um, But outside of that, we can record albums. We can help you with your EPK. And we have full audio-visual capabilities here. LMC is in Palm Beach Gardens on the northwest corner of Military Trail and North Lake Boulevard. It's north of the gas station right before you get to North Lake on Military Trail. And if you go to livemusiccommunity.com, you have all the information you'll need right there. Thanks. All right, seeing as we were just talking about Live Music Community, which is where we are right now, and it's a school and uh, we try and bring up young musicians and um, people who are just starting out. Do you have any advice for uh, people who are entering the game? I'll tell the young people to practice constantly and, you know, with purpose. And it might seem like a pain in the ass at the moment, but, you know, you'll reap the rewards later for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, Joe, have you got any advice? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely echo that, uh, especially if you're, you know, on the real young side. Like, annoy your parents, get in the bedroom, (laughs) play, play loud, make mistakes, and keep getting better because you don't know what will come of it. You know, my story is the perfect example of that. I didn't think I'd ever make money or be able to meet lifelong friends um, and and do all the stuff we did yeah. um, through just playing my horn. So, lifelong yeah. friends is a big part of it. Yeah, these guys, these yeah. dummies yeah, put yeah, me in their wedding weddings. party was all my bandmates. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, and, um, so Nick, what are you telling your son? Have you got any advice? You know, um, don't burn bridges. One thing I learned in, oh, in, yeah. in the music business, huge, especially around here, advice. is the, the names and faces don't change just the bands they're in or the, the, the venues that they operate. I so, the truth. you know, <laughs> uh, pay everybody. If you're a venue owner, pay the bands. Yeah. Uh, We're putting somebody on blast? And- <laughs> not putting anybody okay, on blast. Okay. If, if, you're, if you're in a band, show up, do what you said you're going to do. And yeah. That's treat everybody point. nice. Yeah. yeah, live up to your commitments, man. That's a huge one. Exactly. Yeah. And then also exposure is bullshit. Get paid. Don't even start on that. I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a musician, but I'm also an artist. And I, I can't tell you, I can't even begin to tell you how many people every week will come to me like, hey, can you design this or can you draw this or can you paint this? And it's great exposure for you. I'm like, last I checked, exposure doesn't pay my mortgage. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All the cover art for my releases, I paid the artist Good. what they asked. Awesome. That's awesome, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah it, that's a, it's a big part of it, you know, the value, valuing the arts. But I think, honestly, in Florida, relatively, compared to other places, music is valued, you know? Like, yeah. people do pay you in general, and I think that's great. Well, I come from England, and, you know, trying to get paid to play music in England is like pulling teeth. It's like squeezing blood out of a stone. It's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, here, I moved here and I was like, oh, how am I going to make a living? And I was like, oh, I can make a living playing music. And, you know, and I, now I do. And it's just honestly like a dream come true. So, uh, you know, I, I'll thank Florida all day for that. You know? This area, I think we're all really kind of lucky and, and blessed or however we want to say it because there's really such a large densely populated group of musicians who are open who will recommend you who will get you in venues and really support you and i don't i don't know if you see that in little towns like, yeah. i mean because we're coming from stewart you know mm-hmm. obviously palm beach is a little bigger but uh, in a small area like martin county um is real supportive and you know yeah. there's a lot of talented people yeah it's really quite a kind of arty bohemian place to one side of it you know yeah absolutely that's the whole yeah. thing like all of south florida central florida south florida um it's 
it's been amazing over the years and especially the last two years with the podcast talking to all the different musicians and stuff, seeing how many musicians are are actually happy for other musicians and, and lift them up and, and help them get to the next stage. And, and, and they're all like so helpful. I mean, very rarely, very rarely have I met a musician that I'm like, that guy's an asshole. Like for the most part, they're all like just very helpful to each other. Nobody is like, no, mine, you know, like it's, yeah, it's, it's an abundance amazing. mentality around here for sure. Yeah. yeah everybody eats. Yeah, exactly. There's plenty to go around. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while you run across some somebody that doesn't feel that way and they don't last very long. Right. No, exactly. Right. And talk about holding up your commitments as well. I when I first moved here, um, I, I was I was a little bit crazy and a bit unreliable and really I learned pretty quick. He was slightly stupid. <laughs> I, I, learned, I learned pretty quick that, you know, you just you got to hold your end up. You got to get there on time. You got to do your thing, and if you do that, then you'll last. You know, you just yeah. got to be reliable. That was a big lesson I learned upon moving here. Don't know how I didn't learn it before then. But, That's you know. why I was the band mom. You know, like I yeah. may not be the most talented guy, but I'll make sure you show up on time, and yeah. and, and that got us work. That's why yeah. I rode with them today. Starting to have to get the crossed arms and tap and toe <laughs> if I was late. <laughs> I love it. So, um, yeah, you just played us some tunes, and we talked a little bit about them before. But could you elaborate a little bit more on the on the songs? Um, well, I, I spoke about Abuelos Ausentes, the absent grandfathers. The other song in English is called Ripples, yeah. and this is one of the interesting things of how songwriting works. Right when my daughter was an infant, uh, we would get a milk substitute. Yeah. There's a brand called Ripples. Ah. And there was one time our local Publix didn't have it. So I'm driving all over town trying to find the Ripples. So there's a section in Port St. Lucie called Tradition. Okay. And I found it there. And I texted my wife, I found the Ripples in Tradition. Ah. And when I saw that written down, I'm like, oh, shit, that's a song title. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had these chords. And based on that one line, you know, the rest of the song – came about and you know it's kind of a the ripples in tradition is very poetic right (laughs) so i went with it and you know it turned you know songwriting sometimes a journey of discovery as cheesy as that sounds you know and the song ended up being kind of an ode to those of us that would do what we do you know it's kind of a a noble responsibility to carry that torch you know those that you know that bring the music to the world yeah, yeah. No, I feel that. And sometimes, you know, I, and this this is going to sound a little sort of magnanimous and kind of cheesy as well, but um, I, I I feel like sometimes when I'm when I'm playing out, you're, the, you're part of this this great long line of musicians throughout the that's, ages. You know, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's 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 what Ripple is about. Ended up being. Oh, you know? cool! I, I like yeah. the song even more now. That's awesome. I'm going to listen to it on the way. Put home. it on your playlist. Yeah, yeah, I will do. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so uh, we took, you, you gave us a picture of your beautiful guitar. Can we yes. just get that up on the screen there, Justin? What, so there tell us is. a little bit about this baby. All right. So that's a Cordoba nylon string. It has a pretty thin neck, and it's you know an acoustic electric. And yeah. you know how they say that you know every guitar has some songs in it. Yeah. Well, for most of the stuff that I've been coming up in, in the last five years, it came out of that one. Great. You know, there's there's something about it. Um, you know, there's better quality guitars. And I own some, but that one seems to have the most songs in it. Uh, That's I don't, awesome. I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's it's the comfort. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's it's whatever the tone is. But uh, you yeah, know, I've squeezed a, a lot string. of songs out of that one. Yeah, yeah, nylon strings. They're they're comfortable to play. And then one with like that doesn't have yeah a great big thick neck too. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. 
Yeah. Um, so how long have you had it? When did you get this thing? Uh, that one I probably have about six, seven years. Okay. So it's yeah, the, it, it spawned the project almost. This yeah, is pretty different. much. You know, <laughs> I yeah, most of the the new riffs, new chord progressions, and, and stuff that ended up here came came out of that one. Uh, others get refined on that one. You know, yeah. um, for my El Brujo project from a few years ago. I kind of want to do more acoustic stuff, so that guitar is prominently featured. You know, like all the rhythm tracks, you'll hear that. Okay. For the the more recent stuff, I've, I've been getting into electric guitars. I've been building pedal boards, and I kind of wanted more of that, and that that's what ended up being there. Oh, neat. So do, you, do you ever take that one out and play uh, live with it, or just, just, just that at one? Home? Yeah, uh, I do that one, and I got another one that's a Cordoba also, but it's a black one. I brought it as a spare because in case I broke a string, yeah, yeah. I don't want to have to restring a nylon string. Uh, <laughs> the, between those two, those are my main. If I'm doing a solo acoustic thing, it'll it'll be those. Yes. I bought a Martin once upon a time, and you know, I strum it, and I used it on the recording if I needed a strummed metal string yeah. sound in the background, but. Uh, you know, I haven't gotten any songs out of it. So. <laughs> well, nylon strings just have a vibe. It's a totally they different, do. it's its own thing, you know, especially if you're writing this kind of more Latin-style music, just yeah. fits perfectly. They do have a nice nice tone to them, so. Yeah, yeah. no, so Cordoba, that's my go-to nylon strings. Yeah, it's making me jealous. Every time yeah. someone shows up with a nice piece of gear, it, the light goes off in my head, and I'm like, oh, no, am I going to have to get that <laughs> now as well? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you see what you should definitely... Try it out because the first nylon string with a thin neck that I got, I was in Georgia for some work thing. I went to a music store. I picked it up. I stormed it a couple of times. I walked away, and the next day I had to go get it. Yeah. <laughs> the Black Cordova, same thing. I was at the Guitar Center in West Palm Beach. And, uh, you know, we went in to get some fresh cash gear. I don't remember what it was, but I saw it. I played it, walked away, got to the parking lot, and like, had to get it and went in and got it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> love at first sight. That's, yeah. I love that. So um, what have you guys, it, um, in terms of uh, things coming up in the mm-hmm. future, is there anything that uh, you want to talk about in that arena? Fresh Catch Reunion. <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing, we have nothing set in stone. You know, we just last week had a Fresh Catch show in Jensen Beach that got rained out. That um, I think we're looking to reschedule that. Um, I don't think there's a date for yeah. that yet. What about uh, gigs with uh, J.J. Rivera? Is anything? anything? Uh, I don't have anything on the books right now, but, you know, uh, I think I'd like to get out there. It's just with these songs, I get kind of weird about it, you know. I right. like more of the background vibe, wine bar, coffee yeah. bar kind of place. Like, I, it doesn't work in a rowdy bar. Sure. You know, not, and I can handle a rowdy bar with an acoustic, but... Um, more like chill bars or like a concert hall or something right, like that. Right, right. Yeah. I would love to be picking on a nice stage with a nice sound. Yeah, it would suit it, you know. It's yeah. beautiful yeah. music. Yeah. It's definitely listening music. Yeah, as opposed to kind of like beer-swilling music. I mean, it's, it's got a beat. It's danceable. Um, yeah. Danny Kuto, he's the drummer, percussionist on the, on the recordings. Uh, he was the percussionist on a Latin metal band called El Nino that they're, I mean, they travel. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. All right, so he's, he's traveled the world, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, wow. So the, at one point, uh, Nick was getting too busy with work and family that he stepped away from Fresh Cash, and Danny came in, and he drummed with us for, for a couple of years. And, you know, he's, he's from Brazil. He's got that Latin vibe thing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I brought him in for, for, for those recordings. So, you know, it has a danceable beat. Sure. You know, but, uh, but yeah, it's also listening music. 
Yes. It's some, it's some good stuff, man. And um, Andy must not have been available for today. <laughs> I love you for showing up, brother. I really appreciate it. No, I'm actual professional percussionist. <laughs> you don't have a tattoo that says percussionality. <laughs> he has a tattoo. Percussionality. Percussionality. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, he's made up word on his chest. Percussionality. <laughs> no regrets. No regrets. Not even one letter. <laughs> So um, what have we got coming up? We've got O'Shea's on Friday, yeah. which um, is always a blast. It's one of our Irish pub gigs that we do and always yeah. have a good time. And then we've got Tiki 52. Yeah, we haven't played there in a minute. Oh, is Jason Aldean going to get out there with you? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, he's been jumping in there every once in a while. Oh, now. cross fingers. That would be good, yeah, wouldn't be it? Amazing. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I wonder how we can make that happen. Shoot him a tweet. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I'll do it. That's actually not a bad idea. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, exactly. We're playing anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Good thinking. I'm going to tweet worst, Jason Worst Aldean. thing that can happen is they cancel us and hire him. Yeah. <laughs> they can't yeah. afford him. By the way, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we played just about enough country where we could kind of swing it with him, I think. It'd be all right. We could fake it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then we got anything else? No, that's it. Then on Sunday, I'm doing the songwriting thing with a buddy of mine, which has no bearing on uh, this podcast whatsoever. <laughs> on anything whatsoever. <laughs> so thanks for sharing. <laughs> cool. So, um, yeah, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on with the festival? Um, the festival is canceled. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. The festival is not canceled. It is April 1st at Matthews Brewing. Um, uh, we we finally got the, the ball rolling here. Uh, yeah. It's been... It's been it's been brutal, but we uh, we finally got some things. Some well, life things, has a, a way of getting in the way sometimes. Yeah, right? life's been getting in the way. It's been hard. It's been hard getting commitments and stuff. But we got the ball rolling. Um, we are, I think, we have sixteen commitments of bands at this point. We have um, uh, some asks out there for the last few. Um, hoping to get to twenty again like last year, but we'll probably settle on around eighteen, nineteen because I think last year we had a cancellation, so we ended up at nineteen, and the flow of time wise worked out perfectly. Yeah. So I think eighteen, nineteen would be a sweet spot. Um, tickets are going to be ten dollars again, just like last year. Ten dollars gets you in the door. You can either buy them at the door or you can buy them online. I believe if you buy them online ahead of time, there's a dollar service charge. Keep in mind that if you do get them at the door, we could potentially run out. We did actually uh, run out of wristbands last year, so we. Yeah. we technically sold out last year um and then uh 25 is the quote-unquote uh vip or general admission plus that gets you um ticket into the door it gets you a t-shirt um james galliano will make out with you too yes potential potentially <laughs> um but uh but uh if you buy a t-shirt at the festival and you buy a ticket before the festival or at the door it's ten dollars for the ticket and 25 for the t-shirt so essentially uh, doing the package online you're basically buying a t-shirt and getting a free admission um so at the end of the day 10 bucks to get in you're getting somewhere right around ballpark at 18 to 20 bands it's almost like 50 cents a band i mean they're all amazing local bands. You can't go wrong with no, them. No, you can't. Dude, 50 great cents a band is just stupid. It's slightly stupid. Slightly. Okay? Yeah. It, was, it was killer last year. I actually got to play last year with the Bryce Allen that's band. Right. There. Oh, yeah, and, that's right. Uh, 
when I heard 19 bands, I was like, man, this is going to be a shit show. And it was flawless. And Thank you. I appreciate it. Off. It's, it's hard Thank to get you. five bands on a build. L- listen, we, we, got, <laughs> we, got to the end of, we got to the end of the show last year, the end of the festival. And I think Ben and I both kind of plopped down in some chairs, looked at each other and said, how the hell did we do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it worked out. And uh, fingers crossed it's going to work out again this year. Yeah. Um, we're going to do the same thing, two stages. Uh, you know, We're going to have the, the big main stage and then the concrete stage that everybody calls the slab, I guess, or the rock. Um, so we're going to do two stages. Something we're doing a little bit different this year is last year we had uh, bands on the main stage and acoustic acts like singles, uh, solos, and duos. Um, this year it's just going to be bands on both of them, full PAs on both. It's going to be bands on both. Um, obviously we'll keep like the smaller stage area to like trios and stuff, things like that. Um, but we will have full bands on both. Yeah. Um, another thing we're doing a little bit differently this year is we're going to set up a uh, sort of a, a 561 music lounge area and – Bands either, you know, maybe after they've played or before they've played or they're just wandering around, they have five minutes where they're going to sit down with either Ben or myself or both of us. Um, and we're going to just record little snippets of them chatting with us for about five minutes um, because the festival is actually taking place, I think, one or two weeks. I think one week before our 100th episode. Whoa. Yeah, which is crazy. Wow. I, it just blows my mind that we've, yeah, I mean, I feel like just last week we were talking about like, hey, we should do a podcast, and now we're at the hundredth episode. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we're hitting our hundredth episode, and so we're going to take all those snippets, put it together, and that's going to be our hundredth episode. Is is uh, us talking about the festival and and the the little backstage snippets of of talking to bands and things. So I think that's going to be fun. Absolutely. And then, um, uh, what else are we doing? Um, Merch tables and things are going to be a little more elaborate this year, so the bands will have space to sell their merch. You'll be able to get some stuff. Yeah, are we going to um, do that thing Ricky was talking about? Yeah, I, I think so. We got to talk to Ricky a little bit more in detail and talk to the bands and stuff about licensing and all that stuff. But uh, but potentially, um, you know, we're we're tossing around the idea. Uh, Rick, Ricky Blue from the Shake, um, it's uh, it came to us with an idea that we thought was absolutely genius. Yeah. Um, how many times have you been to a show? Whatever the band may be, local band, big band, etc. Um, and you walk away thinking that was an amazing show, and it's and yes, you have the record or yes, you have the album, but it's studio produced, etc. You don't have a live show, and even if you did have a live show, you don't have that live show. Yeah. So uh, Ricky's got a set of recorders and um, uh, some equipment and stuff that he's been recording shows. Whenever the shake goes out in place, he records their show live and um, the audio, anyways. And so the idea is uh, we're just going to record every band on both stages. And if uh, if everything falls into place, you'll be able to go to the merch table and say, man, I really like this show. And you can pre-order a digital download of 561 Music Festival. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Li- live, idea. you know, all mistakes and all. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, Ricky comes up with some Jose on that slab. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the website for um, for the festival is up. Uh, the bands have not been announced, but if you'd like to pre-purchase tickets, I promise you it's going to be a stacked lineup like last year. Um, we will most likely get those last few bands locked in this week, and we will make that announcement next week. And we have um, 561. It's... Uh, yeah, 561musicfestival.com or 561musicfest.com. Either one will get you there. $10 to get in, $25 gets you a shirt at the show and um, and ten, and the admission to get in. Yeah. And then, as always, 561 Music Fest brings you to the podcast. There's links to the podcast. There's links to the YouTube page. There's links to uh, Killbillies. There's links to sponsorship uh, for the podcast, et cetera. Um, there's links to just 
give us money because we're handsome and you know middle-aged guys that need money. Um, I need, to, I need <laughs> and, uh, money to keep my my right, hat right, just so right. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, and then all the socials at five six one music podcast. Yep. Yeah, at five six one music podcast on all the socials. Um, and one other thing with the festival is the festival costs money. It is not free for us to do this. We have to pay bands. We have to pay all sorts of fees and things and security. And uh, it just it gets really expensive really quick. Um, we were really fortunate last year. Um, yeah. And, and really we fortunate last year. We got in just year. under the wire. Yeah. We were basically crapping our pants right before the festival thinking, well, this is going to cost us a ass load of money. Yeah. Um, but uh, we were fortunate enough to sell enough tickets, et cetera, and get some sponsorship and things. And, and so it worked out. Um, we're looking for that again this year, guys. We need your help. Um, you know, we have a couple of sponsors on board right now. It would be amazing to get a few more. If you're interested in sponsoring the festival, it's very, very easy. 561musicfestival.com or 561musicfest.com um, brings you to the ticket links. In the drop down of the ticket links, you have the choice of the $10 ticket, the $25 ticket with the the, the T-shirt, and then there's several sponsorship levels starting at $250 all the way to the named sponsor for the main stage and, and for the festival, which is, I think, $2,500 or something like that, But um, which we didn't get last year, but we're hoping this year. <laughs> um, but uh, there's all these sponsorship levels. You can actually purchase your sponsorship right on the website. Um, it tells you everything you get with the sponsorship will be notified immediately because some of those sponsorships will get advertising on the podcast leading up to the festival and sometimes even potentially past the festival, depending on when you purchase it. Yeah. Um, we'll get notified immediately if your sponsorship level includes advertising. We'll start advertising. We'll start mentioning. We'll start posting, You know all that stuff. So um, if you have any interest in sponsoring the festival, just to give you guys an idea, um, between uh, between ticket sales, people that just came to Matthews and hung out on the inside and didn't actually come into the festival portion and, and buy tickets, etc. Um, you know, all the bands that were all the bands that were there um, because obviously the bands didn't pay to get in. So the bands the bands were there, and most of the bands, unless they had another gig, most of them hung out for the whole day. You yeah, had, we had twenty bands. You're talking about another hundred people that were hanging around. Yeah, um, and so. <clears throat> I think we had somewhere close to 800 ticket sales last year. So it's, I would venture to say we had somewhere between 900 and 1,000 people there last yeah. year. Um, so if you want to sponsor the festival, you know, it's, it's a, a great way, especially you know, if you're a business – you know, you can't afford the twenty five hundred dollars sponsorship or something. I have sponsorships at at two hundred fifty dollars, so yeah, um, it's a great way to get your name out in front of a thousand people that are local. If you're yeah. a music business, I mean, and it's a what, worthy cause. You're supporting you're supporting local live music. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, just like the podcast, when you guys sponsor the podcast. The festival is the same thing. That money goes to pay for the festival, to pay the artists, to pay the bands, to pay the merch, to pay all the stuff that goes involved with the festival. Anything that gets left over typically goes back into – we have a social media person for the podcast. It goes back into paying for studio time here. Um, it, you know, it goes back into all that stuff. Ben and I aren't, aren't uh, you know, rolling in money here doing this, no. this podcast. This, we do this as a labor of love, and all that gets folded back in. So 561musicfest.com, 561musicfestival.com. Get your tickets. We will be announcing the band's uh, – Probably in the next few days, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's literally the next couple of days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, the music's it. beautiful, and yeah, some it. of the stories you told were honestly fascinating. Yeah. And uh, especially about the subjects of your songs, I found it really interesting. I appreciate and, it. And um, yeah, cool guys. Uh, thanks for coming. 
All right, thanks we, for we having us. We haven't even talked about DMT or aliens or anything. It's my first podcast. I <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, totally. All right, well, listen, um, I think maybe it's because I'm not funny enough for those kind of things. <laughs> 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 you have to stick to music. There's nothing funny about aliens. <laughs> <laughs> you need to lay off the Rogan, Nick. You're all there. Oh, mate, that's all brilliant. Right. Peace all out, guys. Yeah, <laughs> have a good one. Bye.